Caring for kittens is no easy feat. That's why we've partnered with the National Kitten Coalition to host the online kitten conference, a whole weekend of learning how to care and support the smallest and most vulnerable felines. Join us the weekend of June 10th through 12th. Details and registration are available now at the communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are joined with Linda Chitwood. Linda is the volunteer director of the nonprofit charity Homeless Animals Relief Project in Sanatobia, Mississippi. HARP's mission is to provide free or very low cost spay neuter to pets living with the poor. HARP is currently focusing exclusively on cats. Started in 1996, HARP has fixed over 20,000 area pets in rural North Mississippi, but has no paid staff. The recipient of the Summerlee Foundation's Annie Lee Roberts Courage and Compassion Award, Linda is the author of The $5 for a Cat Head, True Stories of Animal Welfare with Hands-On Tips for Helping Animals. She has 25 years of experience in working directly with the poor to get their pets fixed and in fixing feral cat colonies. Linda, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love this show and I'm happy to be a guest on it. I heard you say that you have amazing people. I don't think of myself as being amazing, but I am happy to be here. You are amazing. Truly, truly amazing. And I want to ask you, as I ask all of my guests, you know, how did you become passionate about cats? We had a dog and a cat when I was growing up. Um, And our cat, and this is a true story, we let her have one litter in 1956, and then she was spayed. I marvel now that in 1956 that my parents found a veterinarian who could spay a cat because my veterinarian currently graduated from veterinary medicine uh, college in 1970 and was not trained in spaying cats at that time. Um, And then we got a dog in 1957, um, but they didn't want to litter puppies. So she was spayed when she was six months old. So I was introduced early to the concept of spay neuter. Um, And those pets brought me such great joy and such great comfort and taught me so much in my life about compassion, kindness, responsibility, love, just so much that I've always had pets in my life and I will always do whatever I can to help an animal in need. I find that extremely interesting too. I, I think it was an interview with Nathan Winograd or someone who was talking about how late it was in the timeline where it became popular for folks to have their cats spayed or mm-hmm. neutered just in general. Um, uh-huh. I, I grew up with a cat too. Um, my parents got the cat in the night in 1960 mm-hmm. and she was spayed very early on. And so I'm, I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was progressive in that time. It was now looking back, I'm just amazed that they found a veterinarian who could do that in 1956. It really was, it really was neat. So yes. So, yeah, it's sort of how we were born and raised in all of this. Uh-huh. I was you know, raised to think that every cat got spayed or neutered, you know, within six months or five months. It never occurred to me that it was otherwise, because that's just what we did. 
Right. And then the other part of sort of my growing up was I sort of grew up in an environment where trap, neuter, return was an accepted response for cat overpopulation for feral cat colonies or community cat uh-huh. colonies. In 1992, in Newburyport, Massachusetts, the, our trap, neuter, return program started, and I didn't join the organization until 1994. So I believed that was how you responded to cat overpopulation. How yeah. did you get introduced to trap, neuter, return? My husband and I moved out of Memphis in 1996. Uh, we used to live in Memphis, and there's an animal shelter, animal control officers, a humane society. You come across a stray cat or a, um, an injured dog, you could call somebody. And that problem, quote, problem was taken care of for you. We moved down here in 1996, rural Mississippi, a lot of poverty down here, um, and just a whole nother world when it came to pet welfare. Animals live outdoors. People live indoors. Um, If you've got a cat, it's to keep the snakes and the rats away from your house. If you've got a dog, he's chained up under the porch to warn you of intruders. And that was the extent of that. So I was really surprised when I moved down here and the first time a couple of weeks later, a stray dog is at my house and I call my neighbor to ask her, my new neighbor to ask her what the um, number is for animal control. And she starts laughing and she said, we don't have anything like that. And I said, well, what about the shelter? There's no shelter. And I said, well, what about this dog? She's covered with ticks, uh, you know, and I, I don't know what to do. And she said, you can shoot her yourself. Or you can call the sheriff and they'll come out and shoot her. It's, you know, just however you want to handle it. And I'm just horrified. I'm just absolutely horrified that that's how it's handled. There is still, I'm sorry to say, a lot of that still going on today. But um, we have made a tremendous amount of effort, progress through spay-neuter and keeping those um, unwanted excess dogs and cats um, down home that will be homeless. I first got started um, when I realized after my neighbor said that there's no shelter and there's no humane society and there's no low cost, anything like that, because I thought that we did spay neuter. We spayed the cat in 1956. This is 1996. What do you mean the cats aren't fixed? So I was working as a nurse anesthetist. That puts me in surgery. We throw out a tremendous amount of supplies, surgical supplies after every surgery procedure. You don't reuse a lot of that stuff. Um, Surgical sponges, sutures, uh, bowls, syringes, just all sorts of things. And when I saw that going in the trash, I started collecting it and taking it with me. Found a nice, young, energetic veterinarian just out of school in a town on my way home. I was still working in Memphis. And I bartered with him. I said, I tell you what, what if I give you some of this stuff and you do some spays or neuters for some of these people who cannot afford it. A lot of poverty here. He says, sure, I'll do that. So I started, I put a little ad in the newspaper that just, we have a little weekly newspaper that just said free fix for pets living with the poor, call this number. It was my cell phone number. And once I got, you know, I got a bunch of calls, got some people going in there. And then once I did that, the other people started calling. A lady called me and said that there was a bunch of homeless cats in a trailer park in the next county, feral cats, stray cats. And could what could I do about that? And I said, gosh, that's going to be kind of a tough one. Um, and she said, well, the problem that we have is the managers going around offering the children $5 each 
for every cat head that they bring to him. And this is his idea of population control. And I'm just horrified. I, you know, I've heard about shooting dogs and now you're telling children that bring you the head of a cat that they've killed that you can get a bonus for it. And I called the manager. He didn't deny that he said it. He said, oh, I was just kidding. The kids knew that. And I said, I'm told that the kids are very busy right now and that some cats have disappeared. And he said, butt out, mind your own business. And I said, but look, we could come in there, trap, neuter, return. You know, we can do this and control this. And he's just, he said, mind your own business, get lost and hung up on me. But I found out where the, um, who owned the trailer park, very prominent family in Memphis who would never, ever want their names associated with that kind of cruelty. And I was able to get through to them. Um, and the manager was very promptly fired. He was out by that afternoon. And the uh, property owner said I could bring in a team and they would give me a trailer to work in. And I found a vet who knew how to handle uh, feral cats and that sort of thing. We barred traps, we scraped things together and we had our first little spay day there in a trailer. Um, that was in early 1997. Um, we did 35 animals that day and with three veterinarians and it just kind of took off from there. So, you know, and I, and you get busy every once, once people find out or hear that you've got a concern for animals, especially down here where a lot of people do not share your concern, they're going to start referring people to you. You know, here in my area, I'm sorry to say that a lot of the services that we offer with Trap New to Return, and this is evolving over the past 25 years, but it started out the first 10 years, just being a pest control service to people. I'm not going to come and capture cats. I'm not going to come and take them and kill them and bury them for you. But I can offer you a compassionate solution that will benefit you and will benefit the cats and will benefit the community. And that's trap, neuter, return. You get them fixed for you, get them vaccinated, we'll get them back to you and you'll have a stable colony uh, and most people took that option, not because it was the option that they wanted, but because it was better than leaving things the way they were. I'm happy to say that over the past, you know, that has gradually evolved into more compassionate choices. We bought a house down here. There's 10 cats in the barn. We can't catch them. We don't know what to do. Can you help us? So that's how it started. Sounds like there was a, a bit of education as well as manipulation in terms of, you know, this is what we offer, you know, sort of take it or leave it to a certain degree, which is, which is the right way to go. But also it's going to be helpful to you and, you know, presented in a way where there's some educational and you are leveraging it by going to the property owner and, you know, presenting yourself in a professional way to you're utilizing donated resources from, from places. So you are taking different pieces from different places and sort of uh, you know, creating a uh, magical spay-neuter soup, so to speak, um, you know, out of what you would think would be pieces that wouldn't relate together. And we've talked about being part of a small nonprofit. This is not a large nonprofit organization no. we're talking about. This is a small nonprofit Tiny. that has stayed small yes. throughout all of these years. And, and so how have you sort of weathered the storm over the last 20 plus years as a small nonprofit organization, what are those challenges that, that you continue to face on a day-to-day -day basis? 
Um, it has stayed small because one, it's mostly been me and a couple other women and some men along the way, mostly me, um, and with help from friends. And I don't want to make this sound like I'm the only person working, but managing, keeping it going, that sort of thing. I just felt like I had to keep it manageable. This needs to be manageable to me because one, I'm not drawing a salary, but I do have to have a roof over my head. I, I'm not independently wealthy. I didn't have a husband who was independently wealthy. I was not, you know, there's just, so I needed to be able to keep it manageable. And God bless people who are able to grow these organizations and get them up to 10,000, 20, 40,000 a year. I just did not have that, could not do that. Stayed, I wanted to stay small, I wanted to stay manageable. There were times when I thought of trying to grow it and make it bigger, but the resources in terms of my time and in terms of my money, in terms of money were just not there for me. I think that this has helped us, has stood us well over the test of time, because when you start growing and it starts getting blooming and you start talking about got to get a grant from these people. I've got to meet with these people. I've got to go to that conference. I've got to keep up with these advances here. I've got to keep up with what's going over there. I got to do that. You know, it just gets to be too overwhelming to me. I just like to put one foot in front of the other, just one cat at a time. And the good thing about spay neuter is a one cat fixed thousands saved thousands let you one so you get one done you can feel really good that night about what you've done you don't have to have these big huge numbers to make a difference in your community in your neighborhood ever wanted to quickly connect collaborate or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are you know real people look no further than maddie's pet forum Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. Could your animal welfare organization use a tune-up? Humane Network can help. You can get a free 30-minute consultation to talk through your challenges and get ideas on how your organization can be more successful with less stress. From board development and fundraising to strategic planning and operations, Humane Network has got you covered. Whether you're a large or small, nonprofit or government, it's a live and thriving program led by a certified animal behavior consultant features specially designed training for shelter and clinic staff on enrichment, stress reduction, safe animal handling, and behavior modification. With Humane Network, you receive individualized advice and support customized to meet your organization's unique needs. And Humane Network can lighten your load by taking on fundraising, communications, and other tasks you struggle with. Contact Humane Network today for a free 30-minute consultation. Visit humanenetwork.org. That's humanenetwork.org. Team Dubert is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. 
No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com CCM and get signed up today. So it's interesting you were talking about how, you know, going out and getting money here and having to do fundraising over here and over there. I would choose to do fundraising anytime over writing a book. And you <laughs> wrote a book. And I am so amazed. My, my husband's an author. So I see all of the time and effort and everything that goes into authoring a book. So I congratulate you on the $5 for a cat head, the true stories of animal welfare. Um, it's a wonderful read. It's a great book. It's very well written. And I could never do anything like that. But tell us a, a bit about like, why did you decide to write a book? I wrote the book under some um, pressure from some of the granting organizations. Um, people that we received funds from were, tell the stories, tell these stories, let's get it together and let's put it out there and, and let people be able to find the information and knowledge they need. And I felt like, but you can get what you need off the internet, you know, trap, neuter, return, that sort of thing. And yet there's a whole lot of, most of my experience is boots on the ground, door to door, face to face with either angry or disgruntled owners or neighbors or elderly or people who love their pets, but can't afford. Most of my knowledge and experience is boots on the ground, hand to hand combat, I guess you would say in the war against animal welfare. And it can be hard when searching on the internet to find stuff, information about dealing with in low-income areas, et cetera. And people are nervous in low-income areas and kind of concerned about going in there. They might drive um, an old lady's cat who lives in a nice little house in a nice neighborhood, but going to a trailer park to trap with a low-income trailer park, that's, you know, no, 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 I'm not sure about that. So with some encouragement from some mentors and people whom I greatly respected, um, they asked me to, to put the book together, and I did. It's mostly a compilation of just a basic how-to, how to get started in spay-neuter. It's not a how to build a $2 million clinic. It's not how to write a grant proposal for an $800,000 mobile unit. It's how to talk to your next door neighbor about getting her cat fixed so she doesn't have kittens anymore. It's about how to talk to your vet and say, look, this lady is living on $996 a month. She can't afford $200 to fix this cat. Work with me here. Help me out. Uh, it's about what you can do as an individual. It's saying, it's telling you, you don't have to go to veterinary school. You don't have to be a veterinarian to help animals. You don't have to quit your job and do this. You do not have to uh, donate $10,000. You can start today, right now, on your way home from work when you stop at McDonald's and you see a stray cat in the parking lot there that you see every time you go through McDonald's, instead of just saying, gosh, I wish somebody would help that cat. It tells you how to go in and talk to the manager. And what, where to start looking for a trap, how to get on traps, 
uh, how to get a veterinarian, find a veterinarian who can deal with a feral cat. It's just practical hands-on tips. I hope, and it includes a lot of the story. I've met so many animals along the way, just so many animals that it just brings tears to my eyes to just think of some that I have met, that I have cherished, that I could not help, that broke my heart, that uh, warmed my heart, that have warmed my feet, you know, in my bed. So many wonderful animals. I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that we have these wonderful, amazing creatures all around us. And if you won't help them, you know, to wait for somebody else to come along who's either a veterinarian or who's got a lot of money to pay for the spay or you think has more time than you or that some other group will come and do it. It's just not going to work. It's boots on the ground, hands on. All of the profits, anything that we make off of this book goes to fund more cat space. So if somebody would like to buy the book, the cost of the book will cover a space for a poor person's cat. So you can feel about, good about that too. Excellent. And uh, can we find that book on, on Amazon or on your website? How would we do Amazon that? Amazon and on our website and at bookbaby.com too. There's three choices to buy, but Amazon or on our website. Either Excellent. way, we'll, we'll make sure we have those links in, in the show notes. That'd be great. Is there anything else, Linda, you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think just I would summarize never, ever, ever lose track, never lose sight of the beauty and the wonder and the joy of the animals that we're trying to help. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't let, don't, oh, you will get bitter. You will get angry. Do not let that overtake you and overshadow the joy and the hope that you're giving these animals through spay neuter. And just remember, you do not have to save the world. You do not have to. You get one cat fixed today, you have saved thousands. Focus on spay neuter. Never ever, if you've rescued a pet off the side of the road, a cat or a dog, never ever hand it over without having it fixed first. Never ever hand a cat over and say, now you be sure and get that cat fixed. I've spent $200 on its vet bill, so I didn't have enough money to get the cat fixed now, but you be sure to. You cannot, as an animal welfare advocate, tell people that you want these the adopter to make sure they get the cat fixed, but, oh, by the way, you didn't have the money to do it. <laughs> Don't do that. Be a true advocate for the animals. Realize that you do not have to take on the whole world. You just have to take on this one cat. And please do stop and take immense pleasure or joy or comfort in the progress that we have made over 25 years. I never in my lifetime, I never thought that in the past 25 years that I would see this kind of dropping of the animal overpopulation, this kind of reduction in the numbers of animals killed in shelters. I never thought I would see it, but it's through the efforts of spay neuter. And I just would encourage people to stay focused on that. Think small, dream big. Fantastic. Linda, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. 
You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Bye.